I was electrocuted in 2011 by 2,400 volts coming from a buried, unprotected junction box, like three miles in the backcountry. You know, I end up in the burn trauma ICU of Salt Lake City, uh, University of Utah. I think it was like 50 days total stay, 20 surgeries over a year and a half, like a major, major life event. You know, my mom would have said to me at the bedside two weeks into this whole ordeal in my life, she'd have said, perhaps there's a dose of humility here that is going to be necessary for the work yet to come. And so I've kind of carried that with me as one of the main things that has uh, really been a part of this journey into having a TV show, um, being working in the celebrity space as a chef, um, amongst many other things. Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Waddell Living It, where we talk with experts in the experience of being human. Those people who have taken the risk to realize their dreams and live fully. Today, we have Eduardo Garcia. He's known as the Bionic Chef, co-founder of Montana Mex, host of Big Sky Kitchen with Eduardo Garcia, and... You know, that's just getting into a little bit. We'll get into a whole bunch of other stuff. But Eduardo, so excited to have you on the podcast. Hey, Chris. Thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, seven years later, I think, from our first and initial uh, connection. So uh, I so appreciate this coming about this way. Thank you. Which we were talking about this before we got on. I thought that it was like twice as long because it just I think you bring that kind of impact to to a meeting so i felt like it had been a lot longer that we'd actually sort of known each other but uh, you know it's funny looking at your show watching your your show uh the the big mm -hmm. sky kitchen you were planning on doing a tv show before you had your accident and it's it's interesting how sort of the twists and turns of how life ends up working. In some ways, are you more qualified now to be the host of a television show than you were after you'd come off of being a, a chef on a yacht and living throughout the world and, and doing your, you know, your foraging and so many of the different things that you do? Did did it make you unique in some ways, this whole experience that you had to go through? Yeah. Um Good question. I, I'll throw this one, I'll answer it and I'll throw it to something that um, my mom helped me see that um, I think it was early days. Uh, my, it was maybe week two of a 52 day stay at the burn trauma ICU. And my mom devoted, awesome, couldn't ask for a better mom, loving, uh, says to me, perhaps this whole experience and anyone knew we're about to unpack a lot but yeah maybe you should tell them what the experience is too. Yeah, there you go. I realize about to drop sort of mom mentioned and yet I need to kind of put some context and I'll do it in short order and we can dig into anything we want to here I guess Chris at your uh direction here with your community but um I was electrocuted in 2011 um by 2400 volts coming from a buried um unprotected junction box like three miles in the back country everyone's gonna have lots of questions i get it um there's a documentary called charge like there's a lot there that you can learn from but um 
and we'll probably get into that too. But but on the heels of an electrocution like that, and um, <clears throat> getting to help in time to save your own skin, um, and you know, I end up in the burn trauma ICU of Salt Lake City uh, University of Utah, um, and have a 52 day total stay that sums up to. Um, actually, let me clarify. I think it was like 50 days total stay, 20 surgeries over a year and a half, like a major, major life event, you know, by the skin of your chin, chin, chin type event. And, um, but you had to hike out too initially, didn't you on your own? It I just... found help. I was able to get out and, and that's, that's, I don't joke when I say by the hair of my chinny chin, chin is like by so many different ways. You know, even getting to the ICU, getting airlifted, hiking out of the woods, all the things that needed to occur while my heart was still beating occurred, like by some way, miraculously, you know, I would say uh, every time I look at it. And and so we fast forward, though, and, and, you know, my mom would have said to me at the bedside two weeks into this whole ordeal in my life, she'd have said, perhaps there is a dose of humility here that is going to be necessary for the work yet to come. Some, mom's pretty profound. She's a writer. So I, that sounds curated, but that's kind of how she would speak, especially in that moment. It's intense. She's at the bedside of her, one of her twin boys who is like, on, you know, um, and so I've kind of carried that with me as one of the main things that has uh, really been a part of this journey into having a TV show, um, being working in the celebrity space as a chef, um, amongst many other things. You know, so I think your question was the influence of this show and this work in my career. Uh, I think that a really great perspective from mom at an early stage helped me kind of input the humility that I, you know, I'm living in my own skin my whole life. So I get electrocuted at 30. I know who I was prior. Pretty much the same guy comes out of the ICU. It minus some parts and pieces, but fundamentally, I'm still all there. And yet her piece of like, hey, humility is going to be a part of all this somewhere. And then to step into this life where I'm still a chef, I still work in the outdoor space. I still, you know, was working to be a storyteller in the space, in film. So I really continued the path I was like going to. And yet through all of the, um, through all of it, um, being very grateful every day and staying humble has been just a consistent lesson from this injury, right? You knew you were telling the story, though, didn't you? Like because your 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 friend Jen, and was like iPhone movie kind of thing, like in the hospital, like shooting off the phone, right? Initial interviews, conversations, which might have been for, for prosperity, prosperity or whatever. But you started well, telling that story. You were aware of it, weren't you? Or so I, I worked as a yacht chef from 2000, uh, from the year 2001 um, to 2011, I worked as a yacht chef. And in 2007, 8, 9, 10, I knew I wanted to leave the yacht space. I wanted to start a food company called Montana Mex. And my partner at the time, Jen and I uh, would partner on that with my family. We would also partner together um, on a film concept tv show concept called active ingredient and so we had been filming for a couple years when i got electrocuted um i actually you know the day that i had my hand amputated i think it was like october 
16th or something. So we, we just kept rolling cameras because life stops, but it doesn't, it's not over. It's just, we were nice to you. And, and it was Jenny Jane who said, um, and she very much is a director. She's a screenwriter. She's an executive producer on the documentary that ensued. Um, but she had also been filming this TV show with me, this cooking show, Active Ingredient, that we're going to bring to the world. And, um, and so she brought cameras. And the production team out of Denver that we were working with, they sent some lights and some cameras. And so Jenny primarily filmed all of the footage from the Burn Trauma ICU stay. And um, A, because we were filming life anyway, and we might as well keep capturing. And B, to your point, she 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 saw and knew that there would be tremendous value from capturing it as it occurred, just simply to recount and to go back. And if there was any cathartic motions I was going to need support in, we could go back to that painful place and look through that footage. And um, although I've never dug back into the archives of raw footage, um, I almost don't have to because of so much of the work that I've done because of the documentary and the conversations it's brought out has been its own absolute prescription. And so I haven't really had to go back to the raw stuff. I've been able to sort of live in the present with folks who are witnessing my story with me through the doc and other things. Did the story change? So the story where you're talking active ingredients was the show before, and I'm assuming this is, this is the, the foraging, the the going out and finding finding some of your food and 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 creating with regard to the outdoors, which has been a huge part of your life, like coming from Mexico to Montana, right? Like so that's that's part of who you were. But then there's been this shift. Does does that voice, does that story change from the outdoors guy to now the outdoors guy who's who's missing an arm and and to you know mm. to look at you and say okay well you're you're missing an arm totally uh, undersells yeah. what's happened what happened with the electrocution cuz i mean you went just with i mean there was so much that happened to you what does that story change Is, are you a different person then or are you telling a different story or are you the same guy who just happens to be unique in a little bit different way i love this question for so many reasons. Uh, I mean, I'd like to think we're all unique. So yes to that one. That's an easy yes. Um, such an insightful question. Um, many have asked generally that question, but not the way you did, which is really bringing me to think and reflect that we, we did. We came out, when I say we, Jen and I, um, initially and then the team at large that was really surrounding i mean i was represented by an agent at wme we had a production company uh working with us there were some pictures at denver and um and and even phil baraboo a longtime friend collaborator the now uh you know director of charged um he had worked with me on the original series and he had dp'd and filmed and edited the first sizzle that we sent to the networks and got everyone's interest and and so kind of there was these supporting players um, and others who were really invested in me and my recovery and my story. And they were really supportive of a film being made and a film coming out, you know, mm -hmm. it was hard enough to sort of gear up to the idea from 2007, 2010, 
the idea of a TV show. I'm still yachting. I'm kind of going back. I'm adding context to my way I am and how I think. But it took years for me to be comfortable even with the idea of a TV show. And it was, I figured it would bring, if I could just inspire others to cook, that would be sort of my, I was willing to invest my discomfort of being in, like publicized and on camera and like out on stage because I love the greater good of other people cooking and people getting fired up about cooking. So I had my piece made with that. And when I commit, I commit, I'm in, I drop in, you know, it's, I dropped in on that one. And then with the documentary, um, and the idea of doing a show again, missing an arm and having like, to your point, was it going to be the same show? Was I the same guy? And, um, we didn't know, we didn't know, man, like, 2013 couple you know I, my hair's growing back I'm not in bandages anymore um you know we we had had a couple more meetings back in New York and, and with networks and tried pitching in 2013 and honestly we were pitching on the idea of what I really wanted to do but nobody in the room knew if I could still I didn't I mean I, I'd like to thought things that I knew but honestly it was um it was kind of just a lot of gentle posturing in a really harmless and supportive way I think of like oh this guy like had a, he really could he could do it probably still we don't know and and ultimately uh it didn't occur then you know to your question it just you know this is a 10-year question and response this is like an echo and it takes 10 years to holler back because we so we pulled back from pitching and I didn't have an, I didn't actively pitch that show. I, I worked. I did a couple things here and there. I did the Hungry Life series with Jenny Jane and Yeti, uh, Yeti Pictures in 2006, um, and that's a five-part series that was a very, very close representation. A short film, eight minutes, of what we were hoping to do. And I got electrocuted. This food outdoor journey, uh, experiential show, and um, and so. I think I'm still within the point of our context of your question and um, how have I changed or how has the concept changed or Big Sky Kitchen with Magnolia Network today. Um, again, that, believe it or not, the, the pro one of the product producers at Citizen from 11, 12 years ago, Ann Fox and Dan Fox, they left Citizen, the company I was originally working with to pitch a show. They left to start a new company and they called me uh, in 2019 to say, hey, we're working with the Magnolia Network and Chip and Joanna Gaines brought your name up. We told them we knew you. Um, they asked if we could reach out to see if you were interested in filming a show, um, a cooking show. And so I had paused. I hadn't pitched for four and a half years. And honestly, Chris, I didn't want to. I, I, I wanted to be at home with my family. I wanted to be on the farm. I had other focuses. And yet, there, I had to really question my, I had to talk to my, my wife, Becca, and, and consult with her and say, hey, is this something we want? Because if we commit, if we say yes, we better build the pyramids here. We're, we're not stopping until we put the last stone on top. Like, um, and I always, you know, my mom and brother kind of coined this back in high school, but right reason, right motive, right cause. And we did sort of the checkout. And so, you know, I called back and so the show today, it's a, it's a <clears throat> it is not the show that we did with Hungry Life with Yeti. It is not the original concept from when I was a bilateral, you know, two-handed dude. Um, it's a show for today about me today, and you know, so it, it it's almost richer in the sense that it has the last ten years baked into it, 
just that I'm a different storyteller and I have a different story to tell right now. And my passion for food and connecting with others has not changed from two years, 10 years past. It's if only thing just been strengthened by the last 10 years. So maybe in a way it's a richer show. I, I think it, I think it probably is a richer show because when you look at those shows, you look at, you know, one, there's the personality and, and it seems like your personality hasn't changed from before until now. I mean, you're still, you know, I'm sure that there, there are sl slight variations, but you are, you're, you're a welcoming person. You, you are, you're a generous chef in a lot of ways, like wanting to share the sense of, of what food means, but it's also, it, it's kind of what makes you unique and, and being a forager and, and being out and going able to get your ingredients from your surroundings makes it you know seasonal which is really cool it, it makes it local it makes it you know different in that you're using I mean even just in your show where you're using thistle for your pesto like that's kind of that's cool and unique and part of who you are but then then there's the other part of was being able to do the show was that a part of your recovery. I know that getting back to like cooking what was a part of being whole, but being able to share that story on a wider scale, was that was that anything that factored into your mind? I can tell you that it has had that um I've been very emotional. <laughs> Hand in the air. It's been but it but it really it occurred post most of the work to create the show. Um, honestly, I'm not great for promotion. I want I, I love a good party, but I, I'm, I'm, it almost is more of that flash mob mentality of anytime it's a good time, you know, and, and the planning of it is like, Oh, I don't know, I deal with planning. <laughs> so, but, um, so we didn't have a big blowout premiere party here. And yet, um, I ended up watching it with my mom and a couple of the, her gal friends, um, that are in their seventies and eighties. And, these are ladies who have known me since I was in preschool and gosh, just the emotions for all of us. It was such a touching way to watch episode one, uh, the day it premiered. And um, I would, I would think that like, yeah, I, it, it's been incredibly therapeutic to just how often do we pat ourselves on the back? How often do we let go of um, all the, what have should have, could have, would have, and all the, um, shoots darns and dang it you know like how often do we do that and uh and just say good job like proud of you man and um i'm such a i'm so consumed and try and make when when i'm in my best self i'm so i'm really driven to make sure everyone's taken care of that that anywhere i can affect if you're within arm's reach look out because i'm going to try and make sure you need you get what you need and um in this case i definitely took some time to just say like good job eduardo this was hard, man. Like you could have said no to this any time in the last 12 years. You could have just maybe made it simpler on yourself. And, um, and so now I feel some catharsis. Like I feel some of that relief. I feel some of that, um, a beginning of a little bit of flow starting to occur where when you're just fighting to put the machine together and it's not working or you, you know, you can just let it rot in the field and just, and yet I, I've always been one to try and fix and 
repair and bring something back to life than buy something off the shelf. It makes sense. And looking at it, it from the outside as an audience member, it looks so personal. You know, because because you're sharing probably one of your most yeah. intimate things, right? Your love of cooking, your love of food, your love of entertaining. But then it's also filmed in your house. Yeah, with my most like precious people involved. <laughs> with with yeah, with your closest friends, with your family. Yeah. But it's even so so I look at that, you know, because it's almost like in some ways you're you're finding your voice as you're moving along, right? With like pitching this show and having an idea and this is what we want to do. And to me, you'd always be the draw, like your personality, your connection, but it's getting more and more. And even like going to the herb cellar, uh, going to the garden where where it's all at like arm's length kind of thing it's all within reach to be able to was that a part of a concept of the story uh but also i felt myself wanting to be more self-sufficient that way like coming out of covid mm. to, where i wasn't necessarily reliant on everything that was around me to be able to have herbs that are in the house as opposed to going to and then they're yours so it's like yours and you're self-sufficient and you're sort of off the grid, but you're kind of, but you're bringing all your friends there. Someone, someone asked me, um, I'm trying my best. Uh, so anyone listening, please say hi to me at chef Eduardo Garcia on Instagram. This is really the only social thing I keep up with, but the admittance is I don't do a great job of keeping up with the messages. And I'm really trying because, um, that's the only way this all comes to life, you know, is when we get to connect with others on it. I think with this show, with when others watch it, I hope uh, that there's no script. It's um, the network has been so generous and Chip and Joanna Gaines have been so supportive. And, and then, of course, there's an absolute cadre of support under within that structure of the, the editors, everyone here making the film to the team at Magnolia, helping it become a show with all the blocks, everything that has to happen to make it show up on an app or on a streaming service or on cable and it's tremendous right it's tremendous and so um most of what i feel right now is just that we in the moment we showed up to deliver our most honest representation of what it feels like to cook and be in that place at that time in that moment uh every day as a crew 18 people on set we'd look around at each other and I did my best to every scene, not every scene, but like at the beginning of every, every pickup, every shoot. Um, and I did this on, on the yachts when I was a yacht chef, I would say it's showtime. And we'd go around and, you know, do like your classical fist pump or whatever. And, <clears throat> and then almost like a cheersing, you know, like what they say, seven years of right. bad love or something. If you <clears throat> don't look in the eye and, but I, but I, it was my way of intentionally just saying, Hey, we're we're on this team together and in this moment we are we are here for a purpose and the purpose is right in front of us and we are a passionate group of individuals that can accomplish this task no matter how many batteries die and how many times eduardo's you know sniffles or forgets his line or wait there is no line it's scripted but you know what I mean? it's like we will do this and and what happens you know so it's almost like a bit of a quick 
permission to pause, permission to breathe, and it introduces this total level of humanity, I think, to what is really odd, actually, which is to have cameras pointed at you and to be on spot. And um, especially for friends and family that don't tape, that don't film, that don't work with cameras. And so we did our best to just keep it as real as possible, make sure that our lunches and meals were, were, were healthy, that people, we had breaks and people took time. Filming is, is usually up very early and up very late. Um, and, and then when we actually filmed, um, we just, we, we really tried to bring the lens and bring the microphone where the excitement was. And so it, in a non-traditional way, the, if you join us for this show, you will, in a way, be able to see the space that I call our kitchen and our home and our place. Um, but it's, it's the only way I know how is to try and also share and show as many textures, smells, and sounds through vision and ear auditory alone. I want to bring you in this space. It's impossible to bring the millions of people that will watch a show to my space. But that's the value for me is if I could just simply hug the world, right? And so this is sort of my culinary love letter manifesto out saying if I could cook with and for you as that private chef with like yachting in mind, if I could just pull out all the stops and celebrate this dish or this time of year or this culinary story because it's holidays, we're making tamales. It, it isn't cooking anymore. It, it's not work anymore. Like even how many times do we laugh that a DP would be in his lens, you know, and he'd just be glued to the scene and forget that his card was flashing, like dying, you know, because everyone's, because we're just cooking together. And if you've ever been around a campfire and you've been held in story, um, I think that's when we knew it was going to be a terrific show. It's when we found production to just be like so enjoyable, right? Just fun, fun, totally fun. So did the, did the house come first or did the show come first and the house was built to the show or the space? Yeah, the space. Yeah. Cause it looks like and it's perfectly set up. The, the space was um, designed after, um, after my injury and um, it was the old back porch to the house. And I joked that in the kitchen that was here, um, was kind of in like a one-way alley of a, of, of a wall. So it's like just pushed against the wall. And I just found myself cooking like I had on a boat for so many years, just looking through a porthole outside and, and cooking against the wall, doing dishes forever, doing dishes against the wall. And, <clears throat> and I just thought, no way, man. Like, I, uh, what did Jenny's dad, uh, Graham Cummins, used to say, my debt, my decision. They used to build and remodel homes. And I just remember looking at that back porch and just being like, it's a great view, but I don't do a lot of sitting. Um, that'd be a great view for dishes. And so I, I, I took the back door off and we built that kitchen that we film in, um, in where the old back deck was. And now the view is to the mountains and the river. We're, we're grateful to have um, a very rural kind of surrounding. And, um, and the kitchen itself, though, Yes, we, we designed it for Montana Mex production, not TV show production, because I was building, rebuilding this kitchen in 2012, and I had kind of stopped pitching. And I said, well, this is going to be where we work on our recipe videos, Montana Mex marketing, where, you know, I'll do my recipe and food development here. 
and then more fundamentally though the um the kitchen was designed to connect with the farm which is the outside of the home and and the ground and the land here and for the kitchen to become sort of the nest or catch for the harvest for the meals that empower the people that plant the seeds for the harvest and, you know so the kitchen had a job to do and its job is the heartbeat of this place um and and so in that sense it really serves as our hub and it's such a fitting place for the show to land so so what you're saying is this is from the cabin that we saw in charged so the cabin in charged was my first home okay and that's on my childhood home um in emigrant montana um i live in bozeman montana and in this home here um we took the old back deck and made it our now home kitchen slash studio slash um recipe development i call it our, our food lab our dojo you know this is where we get down to business when it comes to food development for montana max company any of our recipes all of our marketing um and then the show it was a likely home and the network said would you invite anyone everyone into your can we just film this in your kitchen you know active ingredients original concept from 12 years ago was traveling you know, it would be me bringing my love of food to your house, Chris, into your community. In this sense, you know, this is our stab at saying, hey, we want to invite everybody to come play with food with me in my place and come feel this place. And, and you know, I hope, <clears throat> especially post-COVID, I hope that there's a sticky audience out there that will connect to the inspiration, right? From the original 12-year premise of leave yachting, to just try and get my love of food out to more people. So we have come full circle with this show and that it, um, it, it is directly a, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, culinary love letter manifesto of this is why I love food and I hope it inspires you in some way to have a relationship with food. How much of that ends up getting to be the evolution of who you are? Because having watched, having watched Charged, having having watched some of the the tv shows as well but charged probably more so seeing that evolution of who you were as as an individual right that that sort of the family dynamic of like your father going back to mexico when when you were what three months old being a bit of a troublemaker in school yeah <laughs> what only kicked out of nine schools is that what it was uh that's all there was available <laughs> Exactly. But then to being to being traveling around the world, you know, in some ways it, it's funny and, and I might be asking a bigger question than than you want to answer. But but in watching all of this, I'm looking at the evolution of who you are as an individual and sort of being the individual who's who's traveling around, who's trying to do it, who's trying to find your voice, who's searching for adventure but then also being the flip side of being the individual who is that responsible individual that everybody can can count on where you say that anybody within arm's length you're going to you're going to take care of now is that is the show in some ways like a manifestation of the evolution of who you are as an individual going through this whole journey and finding finding that voice and defining that voice in some ways without question <clears throat> I think your observation is correct. I think this is sort of the truest representation of if you give me the mic, this is what I'll say. 
that there's been like and that that's the that's the great um respect and i think the great um gift in all of this is i don't know if 12 years ago no i know that at 12 years ago i did not have the same understanding as to what this could be and how powerful the show could could powerful such a hmm, there's got to be a better word but how just sort of dynamic and important a show like this could really be objectively for so many. Um, I think it has a different seasoning to it today than 12 years ago when it was really had, had a more acute focus. Um, and, or maybe it's just simply that through this, through this event, um, that same intention from prior, which was kind of the same as now, it <clears throat> there's some twisted true sense of uh credibility that i guess can now be attached to the cliff notes that the guys lived through something and in fact does have something to celebrate i totally think so do you feel like you're you're more honest now like as a result of the accident i feel like i mean for me in a lot of ways I feel like the only way to to be universal is to be as honest as possible. And and as honest as possible means that I'm not hiding. You know, even when there are times that I that I want to hide or that I feel like I want to hide, it's almost like sort of being being pushed out of society in some ways. You're you're like, okay, now I have to be more honest to tell you why I should be in society. Uh, has has it had that same kind of effect on you where you've been forced to be more honest? Because you were just, I mean, you were a young, fit guy who's traveling around the world and didn't, you seemed like you could do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. You have to worry about it. There's plenty coming down the pike for me uh, to worry about just by life alone prior to the injury. I got electrocuted October 9th, 2011. And I had already made a commitment to why do the TV show? Why expose yourself to this many, to, to just why expose yourself, right? And yet there's a certain amount of show up for yourself that builds your confidence through, in life. And we all choose a different path. You know, we all have our own sort of tributaries that take us to the ocean eventually. And for me, um, mine just simply... Mine, mine naturally, when we look at them, a chef, um, you know, I work, I gravitated to the restaurants where I could cook and see people, watch the waitstaff, see the people go by, not the in the basement chef, you know, um, yachting, very personal, very connected. So I think my life has always been one of exposing exposure to others. And, and, and stimulation from others. So there's always been this back and forth that I, I really appreciate and I love. Um, and yet with, with Charged, um, that wasn't ever part of the plan, you know? No. no, that wasn't ever part of the plan. When Jen and I sort of came to that crux move where you got a fish or cut bait, like friends, agents, um, filmmakers had been really encouraging us, me, to make a film, write a book, do a documentary about my experience. And I was on the fence and I, I would sit in a meeting 
and hem and haw, come back a week later, hem and haw. And at some point, friends were like, we're not taking any more meetings, man. Like, we love you. We believe in this. You know we do. Let us know when you're ready. And I, it was on that trip when we probably met in 2015, where after meeting you in Park City, this is great. This is full circle. I got, went down the hill to go get my flight at like a 6 p.m., 7 p.m. flight. And we swung by the burn unit to say hi on our way out. And I hadn't been back in the unit since I was discharged two and a half years prior, three years prior. And um, Dr. Morris and some of the other nurses, Dr. Morris was a surgeon on call when I arrived. He saved, was there to save my life, sees me three years later, looks at my scars, checking me out. And there's some of this in the doc is captured um, because we're filming at the National Ability Center. So Phil just rolled through it. But the doctor challenged me by saying, your recovery has been exemplary the way that you have fanned this spark that you still had when you barely were alive here, you have built that fire back up, young man. Like he was like, you have done it. And he's like, and what are you doing about it? <laughs> Where are you? You know, he, he was, you know, I felt so much turmoil and inner maybe just pain from that singular person, um, not to put any pressure on you, Dr. Morris, love you, no. It was for everyone he couldn't save because the patient gave up maybe, couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. <clears throat> How many of those patients moving ahead may have a shot, may cross that move, may send that crux move because they would have heard someone else's story and known there's a light at the end of the tunnel even if you can't see it. And that's what he called me to do. He was, hey, give back. <laughs> and, and so on that flight home, I told Phil, I was like, I'm in, that's my reason, I'm in. And so Jenny was already in for really those reasons too. And so that's why Charge was made. It was made to help other people. It was made to show and share and put a light on the caregiver role and what an undervalued and necessary resource that is when we think about recovery and we think about high time situations for people. Um, they, need, they, they need help. You can't do this alone. Can't recover from heavy trauma alone. And, um, and so going into charge, I'm getting to your question, which was, you know, how what, to be open, to be vulnerable, right? So last we have so many connections that everyone listening is just gonna have to bear with this boys club of all these places where we've connected but so i'm on my road after this event with the doctors you know of hey help us out and my final piece that pushes me into knowing why to make the film is i saw a crash reel and i witnessed how kevin pierce had used his injury in a documented film using historic footage to help others. <clears throat> and, and I looked at all the work he's now doing forward with his Save Your Brain, Love Your Brain campaign. Um, and, and, and I just thought it like clicked. I thought, okay, life's not over. Like this guy, you know, this guy was able to really use his event as an instrument for good for the, the life will occur. There will be others in our footsteps. Our suffering is not unique to the world. It's unique to us by circumstance only. And so crash reel, I see it. And then I go to Telluride Mountain Film where we meet again. And at Telluride Mountain Film, I watched those films under the big screen and I saw the crowds. No one knew me there, 
right? And I, I, I just, I remember having a, my, I was it. I said, yep. I, I recognize how this is just another form of storytelling. And I remember sitting, talking about a film about uh, the cartel and the question, the Q and A was, why do you think the drug lords would have been so open to you as a director and camera crew being in their space, documenting and exposing their story. And as an amputee sitting there in the room on the cusp of my own affirmation to make a film, the writing on the wall for me was that I had just witnessed Kevin. I had witnessed all these films this week. And all I saw was a tremendous power in such a positive way that when you do not hold the wall up, but you let the wall down and you expose what you are, you expose how you are, you're incredibly honest with the world. It is absolutely the most infinite, powerful resource we have is to just be as ourselves, be as we are and stand for who we are. And in that sense, like even to the drug dealer's point, hiding is pretty, is, a, is like a very vulnerable place because you have no idea what's happening. You're so disconnected, you don't know. Whereas when you say, I am here, come, come to me, that's a very, very powerfully authentic scenario. Yeah, no, most assuredly. I mean, it's interesting how much you talked about there where the doctor is effectively kind of giving you a bit of responsibility, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. like you have made it through. You have a responsibility to tell this story to help other people, which then shifts the perspective a bit in terms of looking at like a tv show because it can be looked at as a vanity play like this is this is you and it's more about you whereas you're using yourself as a catalyst to help other people and to make it a much bigger much bigger movement in a lot of ways a much bigger impression on people the it's i, I wanted this I want to look at, at one thing that's kind of interesting, though, too, just in the sense of like, I mean, you've gone through and it's easy to call yourself an amputee. And and, and that's part of it. When we see the bionic chef thing and and you say you're not going to cut any fingers off or whatever, which is which is great. But sometimes that's the easiest thing to deal with. Like, I remember for me when I was in the hospital. I had broken my back. I mean, they sliced me. They effectively like filleted me, right? So I have a 14 inch scar down the middle of my back. They took some bone out of my hip to graft into the bone that had been pulverized in my spine. And I go, okay, like that's fine. I mean, eventually they're taking, they're popping this, popping the staples out, you know, and it's it's literally like staples, like staple gun kind of staples. But in the crash, I had had some more trauma and I, I had blood in my pleural cavity. So around my, around my lungs. And the thing that bothered me was they came back and they said, okay, we need to drain this. And they numbed it up. They sliced it, you know, put an X basically and put this tube in to then drain off the blood around my lungs. That bothered me so much more than all of the other stuff. And I have a buddy who lost his legs in Vietnam and he lost like the last digit on, or the last knuckle on his index finger. He lost both of his legs and the last digit on his index finger is the thing that bugs him. And from the outside, you're like, 
but that's not that big a deal. Did you have any of that? Because this is part of the yeah. experience that you're sharing with those people in the hospital. Can I put a question to you just because I'm hungry for it before? Hold on. So the X, the the, the mark of where they're going to drain these, these fluids, what was it the scar that it left? What what was it that bugged you about it? No, it was it was literally. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a, what they did is they actually sliced an X to to be able to put that tube through. So then now I have an X. It was basically just going right in between my my ribs, which you look at and go, okay, it's you know it's whatever, it's a half an inch or an inch or something like that, and you're like, no big deal. But that was the one I felt violated having this tube stuck in and I'd had tubes in and out of my body the whole time as I'm sure you did too. Yes. Thank you. I just, I wanted to make sure I wasn't assuming where you were going with that and not necessarily do I have any, anywhere where I, um, I think that no irks like that in the physical today. I, I'm like, I think I was fairly beat up going into it. So, I mean, I, I joke that I won't have to worry about carpal tunnel in this hand. But I, I had to deal with it in this hand the last 10 years. And and so like a very physical career prior to the injury. And and then still to this day, I think physicality for me, as long as I can, um, is just a part of my rhythm every day. And it feeds me in so many ways when I can do it. I think there was only one moment where I, I and it was while I was still in the unit, I would tend to really reverse the order and try when I was conscious to really inquire about my team and what their lives were like outside of the unit. And you end up becoming, you spend a lot of time with nurse, your nursing team and your care team. And um, there was someone who I think was new to my shift that maybe was distracted, but just didn't have the same sense of care in a fairly routine procedure one morning or one day. And I flipped, I <laughs> like, listen, I mean, there's a, a tiny bit of pain, very temporary pain caused by just the oversight of attentive care. And I just, I was like, listen, I mostly been cool for this whole stay. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and otherwise, I honestly, I think that if, if there was any, energy coming out of me in a way that was just challenged it was uh my patience coming back into my own boots driving my own truck again being back in my home like you know there's a testicular cancer um aspect to my recovery that i often overlook and that had its own journey of time and attention to deal with and um and and you know probably the hardest thing for me was just waking up feeling hungover every day coming off of chemo meds like uh if for anyone out there living with chronic pain uh for anyone out there living with chronic mental um health challenges it's incredibly challenging on our best days you know we, we juggle a little bit of everything but on the hard days one or more of those compound and they own you you know, and you may not even know it, though. You may not even know it because you live with it every day. Like, you know, I live with pain in some way every day. And some days, I'm, I, you know, I'm looking at myself at 5 p.m. Why am I being such? Uh, what is going on? And then 
I'll, I'll be like saying that, like rub my back on a corner, I'm stretching my arm out or, and then it, I'm like, oh, like, I am just, I need to do some self-care. Like I'm in pain and so I'm short tempered, I'm impatient, I'm not giving everyone time. Um, so honestly, like it's more of that kind of stuff that is where if I get a little bound up, it's, it's dealing with the pain I feel just overall in my body. And if it manifests in me being not my best self, that causes even further conflict, you know, like, gosh, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. That, that baseline of pain sometimes is something that you're, you're aware of, but you're just not really aware of just because things are, things are harder. Every single thing becomes difficult. And when it doesn't quite work out, then it becomes that much more of a challenge. One of the things you talked about in the show was coming back to, and it might've been the movie, uh, but, but coming back to, to being quick, like being, being a chef, one, you're kind of, you're kind of the guy setting the tone for what's happening, but then you're also responsible for moving quickly because in a lot of ways, that's almost, I mean, so many of these restaurants, it's like, that's how they keep score, right? How many, how many meals did we turn in I mean, I don't know. I've read some Anthony Bourdain, and so that's that might be coming from Anthony Bourdain. No, no, you you read you 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 read the right book. You've seen the right shows. Um, uh, learning my speed, learning how to the humility mentioned a hundred percent. Like I just couldn't. You know, I I went back into the kitchen, back to Montana Max for farmers market prep one day, first time being back in the kitchen in months, and we're a small team, but. I had a bandage on my head. I had chemo face, you know, this was like, and I wanted to be in the kitchen and um, I just recognized that I was not, everyone let me fumble through it. And I'd ask just like, Hey, don't mind me. I'm just trying to figure out how this all works again. So we, we would communicate openly and um, fast forward a day, a week, a little bit of time. And then now today I've become very um, open with when I need help. I'm not afraid to ask for help. Um, I ask for a lot of help <laughs> and, um, and I recognize that, um, you know, I don't need to own every movement of every operation. I, and, and furthermore, the specificity that pretty much consumed my professional career as a chef, everything has to be this way and it has to be perfect. Uh, I was able to let go of a lot of that. And um, I had to let go of a lot of that and just start with now. Well, what can I do? Well, what can I do now? And let's make that be the premise and foundational footprint for what what A plus looks like today. Because trying to run run by the rules of yesteryear is not going to work here. You know, it's going to drive me. But part of it is part of it is making it your own too, isn't it? I mean, just the idea of because you've gone to culinary school. I mean, you started as a fifteen year old. You're picking up some family recipes along the way, but then isn't there a part of, of sort of the artistic part of, of like making food. And I, I thought about that, like in watching the show where you were talking about, okay, we're going to poach the chicken for 25 minutes. And you said, you're going to poach the chicken. And I thought, okay, but what does that mean to him? Does he go by a timer? Does he go by smell? Does he go by tuition? in terms of the timing of how things go together and sort of bringing this artistic, you know, spectacle together. 
I think if you were to think through your sport of choice, um, there's joy rides, which can be carefree. Um, and then there's sort of the real focused moments of we're summiting, we're doing this sketchy, everyone heads up, you know, and, and yet found, baseline on all of those is Chris Waddell and everything, you know, up to that day, all of your experience up to that day. And so I think for better or for worse, I'm sort of always geared like that. I'm always accessible and every Every door I usually use here is always ready to be used. Um, I can change gears pretty quickly in that sense. Yeah, I think I, I've learned to let go of a lot more and just roll with what the day does, what the day brings. And, and like what matters most is did I give it my best? Did I show up prepared? Was I, um, and a lot of that boils down to just not agreeing to do anything that doesn't line up with like what you, you know, where you're supposed to be, what you want to do. Um, I think there's a, a lot of magic that occurs by simply making good decisions early on. It's sort of like if no one really taught me investment in a classic financial sense, but I remember hearing something in like a rich dad, poor dad book when I was in college or I don't know something. And it said, you make your money on the, at the decision to purchase, not at the sale 10 years later or 15 years later. And that's kind of how I think about partnerships and work and um, is, commit to if you commit to it in the beginning and you know why you're there and why you're going to do it knock it out of the park from the very beginning and 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 it's easier to do that when you're showing up for something that's exact that's what you want versus saying yes to where you shouldn't be or where your time's not going to be well valued and spent making those good finance foundational decisions that then allow you to have that creativity yeah because it's it's hard you know it's hard to execute on anything life's full of crazy challenges and pitfalls and it's even harder when we agree to be where we shouldn't be when we're when we agree to work on something and it's like ah, i kind of just had to do it. i don't really want to do it but like ah, and like i just think the world imagine if we just woke up in our purpose every day and i'm not saying everyone knows what their purpose i'm not saying i've always known what my purpose is but i feel like when i'm lost or i can't see straight um some of the core fundamentals like okay i I'm going to just slow it down. I'm going to make sure I'm well fed. I'm going to take big breaths. I'm going to drink lots of water today. I'm going to try and do some push-ups if I'm not outside. Like the fundamentals always kick in, right? Um, and that's what we did on set with this show. It's like, okay, these days are so monstrous, like 18 hour days for, we shot for 19 days straight, however many it was. And so every day we had to start with everyone's core, which is, are you fed? Do you have your water? Do you have what you need? Everybody stretch. We're about to settle in for like a good two hour tape right now. Ready? Okay. But it's never without that check-in because if, if any of us are struggling going into it, you know, we've really neglected sort of the big picture, which is that we do this together. And, um, and that, that, that really collectively means that we're not really without when we think that way, we just have yet to exchange resources and share where we are vulnerabilities. Right. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And that's interesting because it is it is so personal, this interaction with you and your team and with you and yourself as well. How do you look at yourself? Because you said you got married three and a half years ago. And in the movie, you document, you really documented well your relationship with your father, where 
you know, he left when you were really young, but then you had this beautiful uh, relationship later on in life. And obviously your mother being, being the rock and sort of the spiritual part of, uh, of so much of, of where she led you, but then also food has to be another food in the outdoors. I mean, you, you keep tapping into so much of the spiritual, like finding this spiritual, and that spiritual and what it means. Having had that relationship though, with your father, how, how do you look at that as your, as you're looking at, at being a husband. And I don't know if, I mean, you talked to secular cancer as well. And, and I don't know if there's a, if there's a child, you know, in, in, yeah. the, in the offing. Loving these questions, Chris, and thanks for asking them. Um, uh, always loved kids. Uh, was told I could not have kids. I wasn't producing before. Hold on. Sorry. Let me streamline before going in to treat uh, my testicular cancer with three months of aggressive chemotherapy, I was advised, you know, go bank sperm. It's best to have non-radiated swimmers if you can. So free some clean guys. And when I went to do that, I was told that there were no live or active um, sperm. And so fast forward and the body does miraculous things. And a friend that's in immunology, so it's like my, one of my closer doctor friends, he just kind of always said, don't give up on yourself. The body does crazy things. And just because it wasn't producing then on the heels of a very traumatic event doesn't mean it won't kick back in gear one day. So keep the faith. You know, I feel like I said that about my forearm, which is amputated right here, halfway between my elbow and where my wrist would have been. And so every day when I'm moving either hand, right hand, but my left hand is moving and that my forearm is crushing away right now and i just figured one of these days i'm not gonna let those muscles completely atrophy don't let go of that um but we'd like to my wife beck and i we speak we'd love to have kids for the right reasons um feel like the world's never going to be hurting on special and and good souls and feel that that's one thing we could really contribute uh in our in our best way when i think of my dad um and i think of being a father and potentially right or being a teal like or even working into an elder like just I'm 41 years old you know my mom has recently moved in with us and we're I always saw it that way she had asked specifically to um, be cared for within our family homes and what an easy yes for me um, then and now now the complexity of it actually occurring is a different ball of wax I think that having becoming a parent will obviously address major patients issues and uh, had me stretched like I've never stretched I can't really sh I don't know how uh, I don't give much thought to well how will I be a dad if I didn't have it like I don't have a, there's not a lot of room on that runway for me it just what I, I feel it way more already on this marathon of just this is what I see around me here's this world that my age here's what I've learned and if kids occur you're in for a wild ride because this is what I can do. I can, I can really try and follow the lead of so many before me, so many mentors, so many peers, so many elders. I can reflect on my nurture and my nature. And, and I can just simply promise the next generation, whether you're one of my pollitos, like a community, you know, little one in my, in my, in my, in my midst uh, that I'm an uncle to, or, or, or one of my own, um, you'll get the truth from me and you'll get all of it. And in, in a way that I hope is helpful. So, you know, there may be 
some factors of dilution given how young you are, or, you know, like I, I just, that I hope to bring as much of life to the next generation as possible. So whether that's sleeping under the stars or, um, you know, being, being your call because you're drunk under the stars at 15 and you just need someone to pick you up. Like, I want to do it all. Yeah, I think that that, I think that they recognize that sense of the truth, that sense of, of the open heart. Purpose, as you mentioned, I'll get you out on this one. You mentioned the idea of purpose and following your purpose and finding mm -hmm. your purpose too. Do you have any sort of insight? I mean, you've had you've had an interesting journey in that in a lot of ways you found your purpose at 15 years old, you know, flipping burgers and and fries and making pizza, these kinds of things. But I also imagine that at that time, you weren't just like my one of my father's buddies used to say that one kid is worth a half a man and two kids working together are worth a quarter. That they're that they're not that they're not, you know, they're distracting each other and then they're getting into trouble and they're not contributing yeah. to this stuff. But it seemed like as a 15 year old, you saw something more in food and in mm. cooking than than a job necessarily. Uh, you know, a summer job or whatever. Did you find that purpose? And and do you have any any sort of insight on being open to the nature of purpose? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I will have to stretch this uh, example over twenty years because at fifteen, my first job flipping burgers, throwing pizzas, Chico Hot Springs. Um, it was it was for a paycheck. I I had just learned how to fly fish the summer before. I could legally have a car. I was my first year of high school. Like. I need some cash and it was, I don't, you know, didn't, what well, didn't grow on trees in Southwest Montana at the time still doesn't as far as I'm aware of. And, um, and you could, you know, you could pump gas, you could work at the grocery store, you work on a ranch somewhere, or you could work at Chico Hot Springs resort. And so I got a job as a prep cook. And, and for me, um, that first check, 214 bucks, uh, it's like, wow, snapped it in front of me. You know, it's like, wow, man, all I had to do is flip burgers, wink at pretty girls making milkshakes and um great cheese for nachos like yes indeed let's do this and so i worked all summer you know and at the end of that summer i had like four grand saved or you know and, and um loaned it to my brother so we could buy he could buy his car which was our car and um it wasn't until i was 25 that i i was on a yacht in sardinia and a crew member had suffered the loss of a family member and was in such pain and sorrow and despair. And I realized that although it felt like no one could do anything and I could do nothing, um, I could cook food for her that was her favorite food and it would be comforting to her and it would soothe her and it would let her know that, I, that we cared, that I cared, that we cared. Um, and so for the rest of that day, I made Shannon's of Shannon you know, breakfast based on what she loved and lunch and dinner the same. And um, I, I like to think that I, I witnessed her sort of float onto this side of tolerable. And when you're in that moment in life, when you lose someone you love, um, it's 
going to hurt no matter where you are and you can't go anywhere where it doesn't hurt, but you can really try and swim to life rafts that are around you that offer some float. And, um, and that's when food changed for me to purpose was at 25. Um, prior to that, it was passion. It was excitement. I had all the energy for it. It was fun. It was invigorating. It took me around the world. And it was at 25 where I recognized, wow, there was so much more to just this than creating pretty food or good tasting food. And um, this is impactful stuff. Like this is, this has the opportunity to really construct, deconstruct, reconstruct, you know, food is crazy, omnipotent. Um, Where have I been missing this, you know? And um, that's, that's when, that's when purpose sort of just, slam dunk me man that is really very cool because you'd already gone through you'd gone to culinary school you were working as a chef and then you recognized your purpose as you were already working as a chef and sometimes sometimes it doesn't happen in the beginning right it's not this is the path you go you recognize the path as you're along it and that the purpose and that the purpose can change will change passion and passion changes too right so you know the purpose at 18 when i left school I, man i had a decision to make chris it's like go to cooking school be purposeful um or philly car fly rod climbing gear adios and you know i had friends traveling to europe taking gap years i can't even imagine I own all of farm in Greece. I don't know, man. I'd be, you know, I was, like, I, I feel like I just knew that for my type of personality, given um, the way that my early years had really seduced me to just chase hedonism and fun and expression and no real thought to like, what am I here for? What am I here to lastingly do? Um, I, 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 I just, re I knew that I knew, I knew then in that moment that if I did not continue to be purposeful to something like an education or a career where my focus would be really be um, put to work, if I just sort of continued with my senior year summer of fly fish till dark and the world's your oyster, I, I don't know where I would disappear, you know? And so, yeah, so it's just it's interesting that like that first purpose was just be at purpose. Okay, school, get a skill, like keep your hands busy, Eduardo, keep your hands busy. And then all of a sudden I'm twenty five, yachting, traveling the world, having a great time, but it's almost a little too bucolic, right? Like it's still like that senior year. It's it's like a laissez faire, beautiful travel through the world. I'm cooking hard, but in you're in your early twenties, you can you can stomach that that kind of work and um and so when that moment occurred, um, my purpose shifted from just doing what was attractive to me and what was fun and what was fulfilling on all accounts to this recognition of, I can't really cook the same anymore. Like, whoa, whoa, okay. So cookbooks had a whole new, you know, so it's not like the world changed. It's just perspective, right? Like all the books I had on the shelf, like I'd, I'd start thinking about those chefs a little differently, like, huh, that's forwarded by that one chef. Like, okay. So, 
you know, purpose, I guess, shifts. And right now my purpose is most definitely doing this, um, not forgetting that healing is an ongoing process and not to get comfortable. Uh, now I've done a million podcasts. I, I don't know, you know, for ev- this was your, some of your questions were so unique to you and your experience and, um, and, and what you bring to this community. So I'm, yeah, I'm grateful, right. To, um, be asked to share again and again. And, um, for as long as it feels right. Well, it sounds like sharing is the thing that has become your purpose, that food's the vehicle, and it's, it's sharing that love, that sense of community, and, and and really that sense of belonging. There it is. Yes, indeed. Let's go with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Eduardo, thank you so much for joining us. This is just absolutely awesome. It's a treat for me to get an opportunity to talk to you hopefully i'll meet you in the kitchen at some point that'd be fun too come up chris thanks for hosting and making time for everyone that listened thanks uh pleasure to meet you here in this space exactly and thank you to all of you for tuning in we really appreciate it if you've enjoyed this conversation please like us please follow us please tell your friends and we'll continue to bring bring you great stuff so we'll look forward to seeing you next time thank you thank you for joining us Please subscribe to Chris Waddell Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.